This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast where we are picking the pieces after the rarest things, which is of course a Liverpool defeat, which we saw last night at the Etihad Stadium. Uh, I'm Sean Bradbury, back in the hot seat today. Your regular host, your lockdown host, Guy Clark. His position has, of course, become untenable after last night's shambles. We've done away with him and I've swooped in like Salad Dice to steady the ship, get us through to the end of this season and see how we go. So, yeah, we'll be looking back on Thursday's 4-0 defeat, touching on some of what Klopp said in his press conference today and then previewing Sunday's game against Aston Villa at Anfield where hopefully the Reds can bounce back to form. And to do all of that, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by a fine hat-trick at the Echoes Reporters. First of all, we have Paul Ghost. Ghost, the house tricks. You doing okay? Not bad. Been a busy week. Um, can't remember the last day off I had, but that's what's uh, to be expected when Liverpool win the Premier League, I suppose. True, this is true. We also have Ian Doyle, who's at the Etihad to the Echo last night. Doyle, how are you getting on? I'm bored. Really, really bored. Yourself? <laughs> I'm not bad. Well, I, I now see it as my challenge over the next 35 minutes to, to enliven you. You know, let's, let's, let's see how we can talk about that. Um, we also have Mr. Matt Addison. Matt, how are you keeping? Yeah, very good, thanks. Even a 4-0 defeat can't dampen my spirit. So, uh, yeah, still uh, enjoying everything and still revelling in a, a title victory. Excellent, we like to hear it. Well, we'll start with that 4-0 defeat, unfortunately, and just get a, get a general overview of how the game panned out. So, we'll start with you. you. You were in the press box last night and a strange experience, I imagine, in the press box, but just a stranger night unfolded on the pitch. Yeah, it was all very, very weird all round. I mean, it's not the first game that I've done with no crowd there. The interesting one at Anfield, you kind of, weirdly, you felt a little bit more involved even though you were miles away from the pitch. But at Man City, anybody who's been there will know that the press box there is right in front, basically right in front of the dugouts almost. You can see them. And of course, with all the players socially distancing, they were almost basically backing up onto where I was sat. So you got a good idea of what was going on, but it just all seemed a bit flat even before the game. I mean, everyone's seen the Guard of Honour, which, you know, was proper half hours from Man City. And, I mean, I mentioned in my stuff, I don't even blame them. I mean, to be honest, what, they're about to play a team who have just beaten them to the title. They'd be absolutely fuming about it. And they're, they expect to just all line up and just clap them onto the pitch. It's like, well, you know, I know other people don't agree with me over the God of Honour. Some people think it's one of these things. I think I'm right in saying Liverpool are going to get this for every single game now between now and the end of the season. So, you know, by the time he gets to like the fifth one, I mean, Liverpool players just be like, let's just get on with the game. So I'm not really a massive, a massive fan of that. And it's a weird one, really. Liverpool started, I thought Liverpool started quite well, but then it became obvious after the first couple of minutes, you could just see it. The whole thing was a bit slack. Liverpool knew that, I mean, Klopp said it today in his press conference, City had nothing to lose and Liverpool had nothing to win. You know, the title's done. Liverpool season is over, basically. City's isn't. They could still win the, the FA Cup and then obviously, got the Champions League coming up and they're preparing for that so it's a massive deal for them and they had the, the you know the, the whole motivation of putting one over the team that had been them to the title so I wasn't massively surprised Liverpool lost I was a bit surprised that they got beat 4-0 but it could easily have been about 10 let's be perfectly honest about this Liverpool could have lost by loads but you know Liverpool did have one or two chances and if Salah or Mane score those early ones and if Edison is sent off for the, the handball, which I still don't understand why people have made a bigger deal of that, he, he handled it outside mm-hmm. the area, in what, that's the world he should have gone. So, you know, overall, you know, I, I mean, Klopp was a bit, he was a bit 
What's the word I'm looking for? I was going to say a swear word there, but I'm not going to say that. It was a little bit touchy, shall we say, uh, on Sky by all accounts after the game. I haven't seen it, but it's a little bit different when he did the presser with the rest of us. He was a bit more calm then. And he was he was fairly, you know, as I'm sure Gorst will mention in a bit, he was fairly not so much laid back, but he was quite accepting of what had happened uh, on Thursday night when he was talking earlier today. So overall, it was just a, it, it was, I wrote, it was just the performance of the team that's champions who have been celebrating being champions for the past eight days. And I suspect that's probably what it was, no matter what Klopp says about attitude and whatever have you. If you've got players like Roberts, Robertson running out of position like he never, ever does, and you've got Gomez just, you know, when have you seen him play so badly? Then they're going to get beat. Mm. How about you, Ghostly? Did, did it come as a surprise? Because I suppose the pe- defeats have been very rare this term, aside from that rough little patch of form a few months back when I think there was was four in six games, wasn't it, in all competitions. But, you know, no one was surely expecting a four-year-old route ahead of kick-off last night. No, the defeat wasn't surprised because I think Manchester City had had the, the bit between the teeth and it was on them to kind of prove that, OK, you're 23 points clear here, but you're not going to come here and, and continue to march on. So I think they kind of had the, had the onus on them to, to deliver a bit of a statement. And obviously Liverpool lost there last season. It was their only defeat there, wasn't it? So... Uh, I'm not, I wasn't surprised at the pool loss. We do we do our betting predictions for our, our wider company for, for for the pools, and I think it's the only game this season that I've actually tipped the pool to lose. And um, I, I wasn't surprised at all. I think the only thing that shocked me was the manner of the, the, the defeat. You know, four nil, and as Dodie says, it could quite easily have been five, six, or seven. The pool did have their chances themselves, but you never really felt like they were they had the conviction to take it. It was there was a chance in the, early in the second half for Sadio Mane and. It looks like he gets caught in about three or four miles and he just almost just ran past the ball and, and it ran into nothing. Mm. Andy Robertson had probably his worst game in a Liverpool shirt. Joe Gomez was well off the pace. Genie Wijnaldum was anonymous. Um, just a, a really poor night at the office for Liverpool, but the um, fact that he was celebrating on Formby All Dance Floor a week ago it tells you all you need to know. Liverpool have wrapped the season up in uh, record-breaking style, in, in stunning style, and now it's just a case of can they stay focused for the remaining five games to chase down that? And Sally, um, hopefully they will. But um, you know, yesterday was certainly an off night from a performance um, performance point of view. Even if there is no shame in, in getting beat at Man City. Mm. And what did you make of it, Matt? I think it, it stood in such sharp contrast, really, to, to the Palace game, didn't it? You know, you got a four 0 win and a four 0 defeat, and. I think that was one of the standout home performances of the season, really, last week. And then eight days later, this happens. What did you think overall? Yeah, it was a, a surprise, obviously. Whenever Liverpool get beat, it's it's a, a massive shock these days. But certainly, the sort of margin of, uh, of the victory for City, I think, certainly would have come as a shock for most Liverpool fans. But I suppose it it just shows, really, what we knew going into the game, which is if a team is an off day against Manchester City, you know, they, they can do this. They are clinical and, and they do have a lot of good players. And I suppose... If you, you're trying to make a, a positive, if if there was any from last night, it's that this Liverpool team are 20 points clear of a Manchester City team who who quite clearly are, are exceptional. So, look, it, it was just one of those nights. Nothing really went right for Liverpool. I thought the first 20 minutes they did okay. They could have easily gone a goal in front and, and maybe it would have been a complete different game had that happened. But, you know, as soon as that first goal went in, it, it never looked like Liverpool would get back. And, you know, obviously the scoreline just got bigger and bigger and, yeah, as uh, Doyle said before, I think it was in the end four 0 almost flattered Liverpool in a way. Even though you know for for the first fifteen twenty minutes it didn't look like the game was going to go that way. 
by the end of, of the 90 minutes, it, it could quite easily have been much more. Mm. These games then, Doyley, between Liverpool and City, I mean, they're always tense, aren't they? We've seen some that have been decided by the absolute finest of margins, mere millimetres, really, if you think back to uh, recent seasons. And then, But then you also see ones where, you know, one team will kind of steamroll or the other. It's not for the entire game, certainly for a patch of a half an hour spell, maybe, and they'll get a few goals. Do you think, obviously, it's, it's, it would be quite rich to claim that Liverpool deserved anything from that game. They absolutely didn't last night. But like you said before, they, they started well at least. And do you think if there were any chances had gone in, it, it might have been different on the night? Well, they would have got beat 4 one then, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was they were always going to lose that game. They were always going to lose. It doesn't matter. They could have scored three and they'd have still lost. I just think it was one of those where City just they just well, City wanted it more because they did want it more. They thought they were putting out a statement, but I don't think Liverpool will see it that way. Klopp said it, didn't he? I didn't need reminder that Man City are really good because we knew that anyway. I mean, we didn't really learn anything in that respect. We didn't, you know, we knew that if, as Gorsi said, if you don't put in 100% or so you're not right on your game against City, you're going to get tonked. And that's exactly what happened. Interesting for me is that this whole project restart, no fans, it, we've said it before, City down to the ground because theirs is a game that doesn't rely on, okay, I, I, okay, none of the teams should be relying on the supports to win games, but it does help. Let's be perfectly honest about this. And Liverpool have got some of the best fans, not just in England, but the world. And they're, 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 with Jurgen Klopp, they've you know they've bought into this whole ethos of everybody working together. And while Liverpool showed against Crystal Palace last week that they don't necessarily need that for every game, there are some games where they're going to they need that little extra edge. And if you take that away, and also you take away the edge that they've already won the league, then those are two bits that you need when you're playing a team like City and a team like City who, as we mentioned, they've got a point to prove. They wanted to show. You know, we are, well, they'll probably come out of that game thinking we're a better team than Liverpool on the day. But, you know, Guardiola said it himself, we just aren't consistent enough and that's why we lost the league. That's what he was saying. It was in, and the other interesting thing, obviously I'm quite old, so I've seen Liverpool win the league a few times. I can two times off the top of my head, in 1983 and 1988. 83, he won it. They won two points in the last seven games. They lost five and drew two, and they still won the league. They didn't actually, you know, actually seed it mathematically until about three games to go or something, but they knew they were going to win it, so they took the foot off the... And they didn't have anything else to play for because they were at the FA Cup and they are at the European Cup and the League Cup had been finished. It's very much similar to that. 1988, they, they won it by a long way, but they drew loads of games at the end. And then that kind of form went into the cup final where they then lost to Wimbledon. So it is hard, no matter how good you are. If you, Liverpool, what was it? 28? 20, I forgot. Is it 28 out of 30? What was 29 out of 32? I don't know if they had. It's, it's 28. 28. 28, 28 drew two and lost two. That's right, yeah. Yeah, 28 games they've won. And that's, there's a reason why no one's done that before because it's unbelievably difficult to keep going and going and going. You, you Normally during the course of a season, you'll have like a, a little dip where you drew, draw a few games or maybe you lose one and lose another one. But that hasn't happened to Liverpool. It just happens that it's now happening now after they've done everything that they needed to do. I think you could argue it's a bit of a test of the mentality or mental strength. But it's also such a weird situation, the fact that the games are played with no crowd, they're playing in July. And it's the same for every club. But Liverpool, I think, are more or less the only club in the entire league now that aren't playing for anything. Everybody else is playing for something. Even the likes of Burnley and Everton, they're not thinking, hang on, we can get into Europe here if Man City get kicked out and the, and the places go down. So we've mentioned City, what they're playing for. You've got everybody at the bottom. 
and even even you know Newcastle, you don't think they're not going to go down, but they'll be playing in the sense of well, we could have some new owners soon, and who knows what's going to happen with the team and the squad. So while Liverpool, some Liverpool, and, and and Liverpool kind of a lot of their players know they're not playing for their futures because from what we're led to believe, they're not going to be signing hardly anybody. So it's a bit of a strange one. It's their own professional pride they're playing for now, and while people will say a hundred points. It won't really matter if they don't get it. They've already got done what they needed to do, and that was win the league. Mm, absolutely. Klopp uh, goes to today when he was giving his, his assessment in the press conference. He said, uh, we lost the ball in situations we usually don't. Apart from that, we were good. Do you think that's a fair shout? Did, did you see at least some elements of the usual Liverpool verve in that performance? Only in, in fleeting glimpses. I mean, they created one or two opportunities where it looked kind of like with the normal shelves, but it's just that lack of cutting edge, wasn't it, when it really mattered. Uh, Salah got in over the top a couple of times and, and Mane got in a few times, but um, other than Salah hitting the post, Liverpool didn't really look like they were going to score. Um, I know he, he forced Edison into a save early on, but there wasn't wasn't too much in terms of like massive chances. I mean, I, I get what Klopp's saying in terms of the attitude was right if the kind of I mean, I don't think Liverpool went into that thinking, you know, oh, well, I thought that we don't really have to try here. But I think it's maybe just a subliminal thing where it's just that, just that small margin of drop-off makes such a big difference. And, you know, when you're playing a team as good as Manchester City, and I think if you would have said to Jürgen Klopp at the beginning of the season, you're going to win the league and then you've got eight days off and the next team you're going to play is Manchester City, that is a bit of a nightmare scenario in terms of who you're up against next because... You've got to go to the Etihad, fresh from a little bit of a celebration that wouldn't normally be there in mid-season. Um, however, kind of mind that it might have been just just a one night, but that'll still have, a, have an effect. And um, going to Manchester City um, at the best times is tough. So I, I can kind of see what Klopp's getting at in terms of um, not being overly critical of the performance, but Liverpool are somewhere off their best. Mm. How about you, Matt? It does feel difficult to say that, you know, or imply that a game was was lost in moments when it's lost 4-0. And as, as the lads have said, it could perhaps have been even more. So on that scale of, you know, City being good at one end and Liverpool just being bad at the other end, where would you place it? I think you've got to say it's a, a little bit of both. I think, obviously, Liverpool made individual mistakes, none more than Andy Robertson. It was probably certainly defensively the worst we've seen him play in a Liverpool shirt. And you know, as we've said already, like when you, you do that against Manchester City, they are going to punish you. And I think, you know, right from the get-go, City will have wanted to, to almost prove a point and, and change the narrative, really, because I think going into to next season, it's kind of important for them that they see themselves as a team that can catch Liverpool when Liverpool are going to win the league, potentially by a record points margin. It was almost an opportunity for them to, to prove to themselves that, OK, we're, we are miles behind, but we have got the capability next season of, of bouncing back and, and catching Liverpool. So I suppose for, for them, it was, was important. I just think, you know, for, for whatever reason, whether it was, you know, a, a disrupted uh, eight day break between matches, whether it was the sort of just the, the lack of intensity generally, whatever it was, Liverpool were, were nowhere near their best. They couldn't really string passes together as they would normally do. And, you know, there was a couple of opportunities early on for, for someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold to, to play in Sadio Mane or, or players like that over the top. And normally Liverpool would, would get that right and, and for whatever reason they didn't. So, yeah, when you combine the fact that Liverpool were 
well off their usual standards with the fact that City were, were probably slightly better than, than what they have been quite a lot of the time this season. It was only going to end up one way, but look, I don't think we should overblow it or, or anything like that. I just think it was just one of those nights. Liverpool have already won the Premier League title and you know they've shown plenty of times this season that that was very much a one-off. I mean, certainly, you know, doing the... The deep last night, we had lots of questions about, oh, does does this show that Liverpool need to go into the transfer market or things like that? And, you know, I think that was a bit of a, a knee-jerk reaction, to say the very least. I think there is there is one worrying trend a couple of us picked up on, is the fact that that's now five away games in a, in a row where Liverpool have failed to score. And that's the last time they did that was 1992. The Premier League hadn't even started then. That's how long ago that is. I mean, Matt probably wasn't even born then. You weren't, were you? Exactly. It was anyway. years before. You, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's how long ago it was. So I think while Klopp's saying one thing to the public, I think, okay, while it's really hard to judge in these, like this next month or whatever have you, for all the teams, not just Liverpool, but, you know, the fact is that that's for a team that, that prides itself on scoring that many goals, they've just stopped scoring away from home. And is it because of the midfield of teams started working them out how to, to play against them? I mean, it, Everton just put everybody, Letico did as well. Man City was slightly different. Um, Watford was, you know, Watford was even worse than the Man City game, if we're being honest. And what was the other one? Chelsea in the Cup. Chelsea in the Cup were, yeah, okay, it was half a team, but they still didn't, you know, they really looked like scoring that afternoon, that, that evening, sorry, either. So, I mean, okay, let's be, be honest as well. As, as Matt said, look, they've won the league by seven games to go. If you'd have said this at the start of the season, we'd be worrying about them getting 4-0 by Man City, but they'd already won the league. And it's July and there's no fans watching. You'd be like, what? But you'd, you'd have taken it. So I don't, I'm don't. i not massively concerned. Thing is, if there are any problems, you know, Jurgen Klopp and his staff will have noted them. And I would imagine we might see a slightly different team playing against Aston Villa on Sunday. And I'm sure we'll come on to that. We will indeed. Um, just while I've got a brief mention there, Gorsley, in your analysis, you touched upon the idea of, of whether recruitment questions have been raised by last night. And like, you know, like Matt said, it, it's not a knee-jerk thing and, you know, what you wrote absolutely wasn't. But do you think there is potentially a, an emerging priority now in, in terms of a centre-back, you know, when we saw Fabinho have to, have to go there and do a job and, you know, maybe he can get away with that in a, in a certain game at, at home to someone where Liverpool are going to be on the front foot throughout. But it did look a little bit exposed against City last night. Yeah, I... I, I... Someone tweeted me, um, you know, I think it was, it was a little bit smug. It was a bit like, so sure, do you still think that Liverpool don't need to buy anyone? And I'm thinking, this is a one-off game. Liverpool 23 points clear before the game kicked off. So they're not in any desperate need to bring in a, a, a raft of transfers. But the fact that Liverpool started the game with just two fifth central defenders and Klopp has admitted that he was worried of of um, leaving Joe Gomez on in case he got a red card and leave them down to just one in Virgil van Dijk. Um, that's why Fabinho had to play as a centre-back. And, and I, I'm not, I, I didn't write what I wrote basically saying Klopp needs to, to have a serious look at this and think that, you know, a central defender could be on the guard system. I didn't write that right. because of this one of A fact that Joel Matip is probably ahead of Dan Lovren in the pecking order in terms of central defenders. He's played nine Premier League games all season. Just to this calendar year before he got brought in in the Mayside Derby, his most recent appearance in the Premier League was as a 90th minute substitute in a 3 2 win at West Ham in February. Before that, it was a one all draw at Old Trafford back in October. So he has just had a completely disrupted season once again because of injury. 
and Lovren hasn't fared much better. He's only played 10 Premier League games. So um, there's question marks over the quality of Lovren anyway. You know, that has raged on for years. Um, you could you can talk all day about that one. And these two cannot be relied upon to play, you know, a significant portion of the season. And it's always been that way long before Van Dijk came in, long before Gomez was established as a first-choice centre-half. If you go back to when it was those two as a first-choice partnership, you've very rarely played a string of games together. And I think perhaps something has to give now where maybe one of them could be moved on and, and they should be looking at bringing in another centre-back. Mm. I was going to say about Lovren then. They missed him last night, which I know that a lot of people on social media won't like that. But I think I'm right in saying now, in the last eight games Liverpool have played City, Lovren started six of them. And the two that he didn't start, they lost them both because they lost against... Because he played both games against City in the Champions League. Last season was nil-nil. Uh, sorry, he, he yeah, he's only lost one of the six that he started in the 2-1 game at City last year. But all the rest, he won the two games in the Champions League, the nil-nil, the one earlier this year. And I can't remember what the other one was. So there you go. Maybe that was the key. Should have played Lovren if he was fit. But <laughs> So the, in fact, that completely, under, that completely underlines Gorsi's point. When he was actually needed, he wasn't there. Mm. And that's that's been the case with Lovren ever, probably ever since the Champions League final, to be honest, though, the 2018 one, when he then went into the World Cup with his strange stomach problem, which he, let's be perfectly honest, he did exactly what we'd all do. Oh, hang on, you can play in a World Cup final, you got a bit of a sore stomach, are you going to play? He's like, yeah. And then his, his Anfield career has gone backwards since then. Mm. The other thing in terms squads and transfers that last night underlined I thought Matt was it just shows that you know Liverpool and City have got two entirely different business models haven't they they've got two systems of of building a team and, and building players around that you know and you saw that when uh, Williams came on for, for Trent didn't he you know it's one, one academy product for another I think City traded one one multi-million uh, fullback for another when was it Cancelo came off for Walker and you know Mares and people like that it's it, it always kind of is emphasised when Liverpool play City, isn't it? And in, in some ways, you kind of think, when, when you look at it like that in terms of squad depth, it just highlights how well they've done this season. Yeah, I think it underlines yeah, like the job, really, that Jurgen Klopp has done, doesn't it, to bring through these players and, and have that trust. You see, obviously, Phil Foden, I thought, was, was exceptional for Manchester City, but he's the exception to the rule, isn't he? We've seen a number of players come through at Liverpool, whereas you know that obviously hasn't been the case at, at Manchester City. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly when you look at it like that and you look at the figures they've spent, as you say, just on fullbacks, forget the rest of the team, they've spent huge, huge amounts there. It does sort of show the, the sort of differences between the two sides. But again, it, it just underlines how impressive Liverpool have been this season to be so far ahead, having spent much less, you know, having spent nothing pretty much for the, the last couple of transfer windows to even be in contention for a title, forget to win it by so many points is, is just so impressive. But you know, I don't think Liverpool fans should want the, the approach to change or, or for Liverpool to become a, a Manchester City. Obviously, that's impossible in terms of the actual finances, but I don't think there should be any envy or, or anything like that because you, know, you look, say, at, at Nico Williams, is he... You know, a, a good enough player to come in and, and be the backup next season. I think probably yes, he is. Um, would you rather Liverpool went and, and spent fifty, sixty million pound on a player who would sit on the bench or bring through a, a young fullback like Williams? Uh, you know, for me, I think you, you'd go with Williams and, and go with the youth and, and sort of try and, and do it almost 
the admirable way rather than, than going out and spending huge amounts. But yeah, as you say, it, it does underline the, the job that Jurgen Klopp has done. And I suppose that was part of the reason that, that Liverpool brought him in because he is a coach who will work with that model and trust those players. And I think next season, not just with Williams, but with you know Harvey Elliott, with Curtis Jones, with people like that, we're going to see that much more. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I would hesitate, Doily, to ever, ever call a 4-0 defeat a, a blessing in disguise. And I'm, I'm not quite going to do that. But do you think in some ways this could be meaningful for next season in the sense of Klopp using this as a bit of a lesson to, to avoid complacency, perhaps? I know you can maybe say that this was an exercise in complacency itself. But, you know, we've, we've seen him before. Think back to those early days in his reign, like the, the Crystal Palace, when he said he'd never felt so alone. Uh, taking the players in front of the cop to, uh, after the, the draw against West Brom. Even that Norwich game where you know the crazy comeback and his, his glasses went everywhere. Do you think this is something he can almost turn into a reference point and keep them on their toes for next season? I don't know, to be honest. Can I mean, I mentioned it in, in passing in, in the stuff that I wrote yesterday that it could prove it, but I don't think they needed it really. They didn't need reminding Man City are good. You also didn't need, need reminding that when they play against a good team, if they're not at the best, then they're probably going to lose. That just underlines more the, the fine margins that this Liverpool team has between success and failure. I mean, it was it was Benitez, wasn't it, Rafael Benitez, who says, look, the only way we're ever going to win the league is by, by being 100% perfect. And it's turned out that's exactly what Liverpool needed to do to win it in the end. You know, seven points last year wasn't enough. So they've had to do it the hard way. And it's, I think in that sense, it's just a reminder of that. The, you know, look, they won the Champions League last year, having lost 3-0 to Barcelona. So they did that the hard way. So, you know, they don't do things easy. But the one case where they have actually done something and got it done in such record time, you see what happens when they get the job done and the standards slip. That's what can happen. So in that sense, I don't think it's complacency. It's more of a reminder of, he even said it today, didn't he? He says that we have to be 100% in all of the things that we do, in all the, you know, the smaller details or the little details, as you call them, the little moments. And that's what made the difference. That's always been the case. And I think it was... Arsenal won the league in 98. They won on the way to the double that year. And they won it. And then they played Liverpool in the next game. And Liverpool won 4-0. And the next season, Liverpool were pretty atrocious. So I'm not sure. You know, I don't think Man City are going to be terrible. But I don't. I wouldn't be too worried about Liverpool just because they lost 4-0 at Man City. Hmm. That reaction, I think we, we touched briefly on this before, Gorsley, but... Klopp, when he was speaking to Jeff Reeves afterwards on Sky, yeah, he was he was a little bit frosty, it's fair to say. Um, but I thought it was interesting what Roy Key said when he was reflecting on it, because he he almost pointed to the fact that that anger from Klopp and you know that the, the will to win and what it meant to be defeated by by a rival and just be defeated heavily and maybe even just be defeated at all was was what's been driving Liverpool on this season. Do you think was it was it good to see in some ways that response? Yeah, you, you, I, mean, I think you'd see it more, but Liverpool don't lose very often, do they? I mean, I think. There's a handful of examples you can look at. Yeah, but he's been like, frosty and spiky after the defeat. And um, people who don't support Liverpool would look at that and think it's sour grapes and he's a sore loser and it's a bit distasteful. People who do support Liverpool look at it and think, yeah, well, he's a good loser. Show me a good, a good loser and, and I'll show you losers, as the old saying goes. I mean, I've got no real problem with it, to be honest. I mean, it's, it makes it better for us, doesn't it, for, as, as people who cover it and uh, we're looking for, for quotes that are a little bit out the ordinary and a little bit interesting and a little bit fierce and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, you know, bring it on, I say. And um, the, the only problem is, is you don't see it enough because Liverpool tend to uh, 
tend to tend to win the game. So um, yeah, what I'm off personally. Matt, uh, just before we move on, and uh, any concerns now that the gap's been reduced to a, a mere twenty points? <laughs> <laughs> Not particularly. No, uh, as we say, it just underlines the job that Liverpool have done, doesn't it? This season, the fact that we are sat here comfortable with a few games left to play and, and Liverpool are Premier League champions, the fact that they've lost four 0 makes absolutely no difference whatsoever, really. And I'm sure you know Jurgen Klopp wouldn't have been too pleased. I thought Jordan Henderson actually as well. The way that he played right the way to the end, I thought his attitude and, and sort of leadership was was good to see as well. But I'm sure, look, we'll we'll see a, a reaction at the weekend, and you wouldn't be surprised if if Liverpool just got back to winning ways again very very quickly. Yeah, well, we'll come on to Villa, and um, just before we do so, a little a little reflection on what Klopp said in his press conference, which we've kind of already touched upon, but yeah, he was mainly reflecting on City and uh, how re- returning to Mel Wood kind of picked his spirits up a little bit after he was understandably a little bit irked last night. Uh, but the most notable thing to come from the press, I think, was when he was discussing the possibility of youngsters getting an opportunity uh, for, the, for the remaining few games. Now, Doyle, you, you did the, uh, the initial breakout story for us on this, and, and Klopp's quote was quite a colourful one. We don't give Premier League games out as Christmas presents. Uh, what, hmm. what, did you make, what did you make of his comments? I know what he's trying to say. It was quite interesting, wasn't it? You say, no, you want me to play the youngsters, then if they're playing, we lose. Everyone's like, well, what are you doing? You just lost your focus. So he was kind of... He was underlining the problem that he has there. I mean, I, I almost think, it's, it, no, it's all smoke and mirrors. I think some of the youngsters will play between now and the end of the season. I wonder whether or not, I think they, they need five appearances to get a Premier League winner's medal. Um, Jones, uh, Elliot and Williams have all played twice now. So another three substitute appearances each at the very least over the next six games. I think they'll probably, they'll probably allow that. And I think they will want to, Certainly, looking at Curtis, I think Nico Williams, as, as Matt said, I think he's definitely one that did they know. I mean, from I think it was September time he started training with the first team, and Klopp absolutely straight away loved him, and you can see that from the from the way you know he acts with him, and he, he's given him these opportunities. I mean, he played at Stamford Bridge, didn't he, in the FA Cup in that game? So that's a massive game, and he, he gave him an opportunity there, and he, and he played in the uh, the derby as well against Everton in the FA Cup. So. He's been given his he's given his opportunities. I think the youngsters, some of them, you know, I think they'll all Jones and Williams will probably start a game between now and the end of the season. It'd be, it'd be surprised if Harvey Elliott did. But in terms of giving away Christmas presents, I, Klopp, I think, is partly saying that keep the feet on the ground, keep the, the youngsters' feet on the ground as well, because they might be thinking, Oh, we got a chance of playing here, but you know, you've got to earn your place. And I think certainly two of them have certainly earned, I reckon, at starting role i mean harvey elliott will in the future anyway he's only about 12 so he's, he's still got a long he's still got a long way to go so i wouldn't be too worried about him he'll be playing some games next season without doubt so i think williams and jones will both feature starting a game in the premier league this season ghostly this little mini run now it's uh villa brighton burnley do you think this in a way is the chance to to see a little bit more of them before the last few games, who is it? Arsenal, Chelsea, Newcastle. Maybe it gets slightly harder towards the end. So, I think next week could be an opportunity. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what we've seen of Nico Williams already. He come on against Palace and, and could have scored. Actually, he come on and made a real impact. And as soon as you come on yesterday, a little bit of a, a more difficult one getting thrown in a four 0 against Man City at the Etihad. But his, his first involvement was a decent cross for Salah, who forced a save from Edison. So, looking forward to, to getting to see him a little bit more over the next few games. Um, love Harvey Elliott. Um, I think he's going to have a, a top career ahead of him. So maybe we'll see a little bit more of him as well. And, and obviously Curtis Jones, who seems to be 
the ones to step into that Adam Lallana role next season. So all three have got huge futures. Um, so, I mean, it's as good a time as any to, to kind of plug them in, throw them into the mixing. And, and I, I, I agree with Doyle a little bit, thinking maybe Klopp is, uh, is being a little bit of a, a smoke and mirrors there and, and it's all kind of a message to the players. You might think that they're going to be shoo-ins for an appearance at some point because they've already won it. Um, there's some interesting quotes that will come out at 10.30 tonight where Klopp actually says, these lads deserve a medal, whatever happens. And, and if they don't get one because they haven't played five games, then I'll give them mine. So um, it's clear that he, he thinks a lot of them and, and it's going to be interesting to see them a little bit more with the pressure off over the next uh, five, six games. Matt, you've watched uh, plenty of these these lads in the academy, as, as our listeners will know. Who do you think realistically then is most likely to get a look in over this next half dozen games? I think Nico Williams at the moment, just because of the position that he plays in, is in the sort of strongest position at the moment because obviously Nathaniel Klein leaving Liverpool this summer, there's there's kind of a, a vacancy there really where if Trent needs a rest or or maybe gets his opportunity in midfield potentially in, in the upcoming seasons and, and years, that would be sort of the old place to go. But I think obviously Curtis Jones is, is hugely talented as well. We've seen him you know, add goals and, and leadership and, and various things to his game this season. So, you know, you wouldn't be surprised at all to see him maybe next season step up into that Adam Lallana role and, and start getting a few more appearances, maybe not starts, maybe not regularly playing, but certainly, you know, he could, could certainly find himself on the bench and you'd be surprised, I think, if, if he ended up going out on loan. And, you know, Harvey Elliott, I suppose you'd put third in, in line out of the three of them, but purely because he's only just turned 17. I think, obviously, watching him play, it's easy to forget just how young he is. But, you know, I'm sure from, from everything that I've heard from from people around him, he will have his feet on the ground and he's, you know, very much working hard to get his opportunity. I think it would be, you know, a big reward for him maybe to come off the bench. But, yeah, I think certainly Curtis Jones and, and Nico Williams are, are slightly ahead of him in the, the likelihood of that happening at this stage as much as anything for, for their age. Right, on, on to Villa then. Um, we'll start with you, Gorsi. I suppose one advantage of this truncated lockdown schedule is the games come thick and fast, so a quick chance to respond. Um, how do you see it? I mean, would you say it's almost like the, the perfect opportunity to respond, a home game against the team in the relegation zone? Yeah, I think you've seen Liverpool, Liverpool's performance against Paris. It was one of the outstanding ones of the season, wasn't it? Certainly in Anfield, so... It's a team Villa are probably in a little bit of well, I'd suggest the Palace are a better side than Villa. So hopefully Liverpool can um shake off Wednesday night's disappointment, put in um, a performance that we're more used to seeing them put in and, and put Villa to the sword and bounce back and, and just roll on for the rest of the season. Because I think personally, I think this team deserves deserves to be known more than just Premier League champions, I think. They need this point tally to kind of set them aside from everything that's gone before them because they've been so good. And it'd be a shame if it tailed off and died down simply because they won it, you know, with weeks to spare. So they will need to kind of put in a, a performance for me on Sunday. Doyle, like, like Gorsley said, we, we did see Palace demolished last week. Uh, but I suppose they're relatively safe in mid-table with perhaps little to play for. Do you expect Villa to fight a bit harder and potentially pose a bit more of a threat? Well, I expect them to fight a bit hard. I'm not sure they're going to pose much more of a threat going forward. They don't really have a lot up top. They've, they've struggled, haven't they, for goals since they came back to uh, you know came back a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. The um, 
for them, a nil nil's a good result. Every point counts when you're down there. And given the fact that they all seem to be losing, I think was it West Ham are the only one that's ones that's won down there since we, since everybody came back to to play in a couple of weeks ago. So I think Villa will be there to to be got at. But it's you know, Klopp said you know they've sat down this morning and and we're trying to work out the best way of getting through what they expect their formation to be. And I'd imagine that. Villa will do the normal, look to possibly play on the break, definitely look to play off set pieces and then get everybody back and hope for the best. And I mean, Liverpool will, I'm not supposed they need a response, but for their own, you know, for their own you know, satisfaction and their own, settle their own mind that they'll probably think, well, we need, we need to do something here, which in a, in a little bit is, is a little bit like last week against Palace because they'd had the nil-nil against Everton when people were asking questions and, now people are well, some people are asking questions again, and just a win would kind of settle that down and would get them a little bit nearer to, as Gorsi said, getting back up towards breaking those uh, points tally. Whether they get to hundred points, I don't know. Mm. Matt, um, that game against Villa back in November, uh, just thinking back to that, I suppose that'll always be remembered as one of the crucial ties in this campaign and showcase the mentality and sheer will to win of this Liverpool team, but. Must be said they were they were losing the game for well more than an hour, wasn't it? I was going to say best part of an hour, but sixty odd minutes until that very late reprieve. Uh, do you think that have any bearing on this one, or are you quite confident for Sunday? No, I, I think it will be a very different game. To be honest, you know, thinking back to that first Villa game, it seems like a long, long time ago now. Obviously, with the the break and everything that's happened since, I think you know, I think Dean Smith will set up his team to to be very defensive and, and hopefully try and counter on on the break with well basically with Jack Grealish who is their biggest if not only threat going forward so look I'd expect Liverpool to have you know the vast majority of the ball I think it'll be a case of of if not when they score but uh, look it's one of those games I can see it being more well certainly more like the the Crystal Palace game than the Manchester City game but it's just a case of of whether Liverpool can can get back into their grooves away and, and whether they start well and You'd imagine that they will want to bounce back and, and show, really, as as champions, that you know that the Manchester City game wasn't the real Liverpool, and and they'll want to put on a bit of a performance. I think so. As much as the the City game didn't particularly matter, I still think they will want to to sort of set right what went wrong on on Thursday night. Picking our team then, um, Liverpool side to take on Villa. Bit of a tricky one, this because obviously. You had the team that beat Palace 4-0, uh, then an unchanged side goes to the Etihad and gets get Wallop 4-0. Um, so, uh, well, let's go on, let's, start, let's go back to front. Uh, I think Alisson as well conceded four goals in a game for the first time at LFC. Gorsley, is, is he keeping his place for you? Yeah, I think, you know, Adrian's played 18 times this season, which is far more than any reserve goalkeeper should, so uh, Alisson stays in for me. Gents, are we all unanimous there? Yes. Yeah, Lonigan, yeah. Lonigan. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, Alisson in net. And then centre-backs, Doyle, how, how would you play it there? I don't know, actually. Um, if Matip or Robert would have been fit, I'd have played them instead of Gomez. I'm half tempted to put Fabinho at centre-back, you know. I'm really tempted, but I'm not going to. It's going to be Gomez and Gomez and Van Dijk at centre-back. OK. Gorsley and Matt, are you uh, in agreement? Think so. I think Joe Gomez is lucky by virtue of being the only one of the only two fifth centre backs. So him and Van Dijk carry on. Yeah, I think it's the the perfect game really for Gomez to to get back on track because I don't think he'll have a great deal to do. Certainly, he won't have anyone as good as Raheem Sterling going up against him. 
Fullbacks then, it's difficult, isn't it? I suppose we've said Robertson had uh, one of his worst games in a red shirt. We've also talked about Williams and whether he gets his chance. You know, could could this be the one? How would you go go there, Matt? I'm gonna gonna stick with Trenton and Robertson. Robertson for for similar reasons to Gomez. Really, I think it's an opportunity for him to to just get back into it and show that Thursday was a one-off. And and Trent on the other side, I think you know I think he'll want to to play. It's a home game. It's another opportunity for for him to get a couple more assists. But I would imagine that you know if Trent does start, you'd you'd think that Williams would have a decent chance of of getting another appearance off the bench. Jolie, mm. you think it's it's the First strength, normal lads, left and right back? No, I think Robertson can go off the pub. Uh, Mill can play left back. Um, Robertson, his penalties that he's got to play at Brighton in midweek. Um, and Alexander-Arnold can, can stay at right back. Yeah, Trent Trent stays. Okay, and uh, how about you, Gorsley, cast and vote? Yeah, I'm going to stick with one and all. Uh, Alexander-Arnold and, and Robertson on, on the right and left. Um just ignoring the shelf for a strong shelf for Nico Williams. Midfield, then Doily. Um, this is a bit of a tricky one because you'd think surely this is where there would be a bit of rotation, especially, you know, they did look a bit leggy last night and like they were getting bypassed a little bit. Um, so how would how would you play it there? It's difficult because there wasn't anyone who, who came off the bench and was really kind of screaming to be to be put in on Sunday. But would you would you change things a bit? I'm not about that. I thought Cater did all right when he came on. Um and he he did all right. Against Everton, um, I think Cater's going to start. I think Oxley Chamberlain starts as well, but I'm not entirely sure where he's going to play. I'll have to have a think about that one. Um, and I'd probably go in the midfield. I'd probably go Henderson. Um, in fact, no, I'm going I'm to go Henderson, Cater, and Oxley Chamberlain in the midfield because I am crazy. <laughs> is, is this how you're sneaking Fabinho into the back line as well? Or no, I don't know. It keeps me options open, doesn't it? I just know, I think that seriously, I think Kate has to play and I think Wijnaldum looked really, really tired against City. He's not been, to be honest, he's not been at it since since they came back. And I think Oxlade-Chamberlain's shown enough that he probably deserves a start. I think he was un, he's obviously unlucky with the own goal uh, on Thursday night. But he, again, he was another who showed a, more, a bit more fight than some of the others. But he can't play right wing because I think Salas is going to stay, although I don't want to jump ahead too much. But yeah, I'm going to put those three in midfield. Hmm. Gosty, would you be bringing the changes there? I think so. I mean, I'd certainly be starting Kater. I mean, the only issue is, I think Fabinho's been decent since the restart, and, and Henderson was the pull star man on Thursday. So, do I keep both of them in, or do I drop one for Oxley Chamberlain? And, and if I do, who's that going to be? So, I'm going to go with Kater, Fabinho, and Oxley Chamberlain. Ooh. Interesting, interesting. Well, Matt, I think Cater seems to be the one who's attracting most attention here. Would, would you go with him first of all, and then how would you play it after that? Yeah, I think Naby Cater is an absolute certainty. I don't think Fabinho was particularly brilliant last night, so I'm going to go with Henderson as the, the deepest lying midfielder with Slade Chamberlain and Naby Cater alongside him. I think that's an exciting midfield and against you know a relegation-threatened side at home. You'd imagine that you know that will be, be okay, so... Yeah, whether Jürgen takes the sort of gamble and, and goes with that attacking lineup, I don't know, but I think that's that's what I'd be going with. He's always listening to this podcast, so he'll uh, he'll pick up on our tips. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, then goes the air. Uh, the, the front line is it the usual suspects or a bit of a mix? Yeah, I mean, 
it's difficult to look past them, isn't it? I mean, people don't don't have a whole lot beyond Divock Origi, so it, it has to be. And I think I think Firmino's got to pull that finger out because he's been a little bit a little bit slack since the that. Um, this is a as good a time as any to to, to bag one in the Premier at Anfield. How about you, Tony? With, with Origi last night, I, I always feel like you know almost within his first touch whether he's going to come on and have a brilliant cameo or absolutely not do that. And um, didn't think he's great there, although not in the best of uh, circumstances. Would he be getting a look in for you or Minamino, perhaps? Um, Firmino can join Robertson down the pub. He's been desperate to get there, let's be honest. Um, and he can also go to Brighton and start there. Uh, so I think Salah and Mane play, although Mane was not great. I thought Salah did okay against City, actually. I thought he, I thought he was probably Liverpool's best player, actually. Um, in terms of who plays down the middle, it's a tricky one. Because I want to say Rigi, but you're right, he was quite poor when he came on last night. And it's whether or not Minamino gets another go because I don't, he's only started the one Premier League game, hasn't he, at Everton? And he got subbed after 45 minutes. He probably deserves a bit of a go at home. So I'm going to go with Minamino up front with Mane and Salah. Matt, uh, there's some nod in there. I sent Minamino. Yeah, that was. That was the shout. Yeah, I think Salah and Mane have to play. And I think Minamino, I'd like to, to see him not just link up with those two, but you know, with a bit more creativity in midfield as well. If if Naby Keita's playing, I'd like to see a bit more of that. And be interesting to, to see what he can do with Chamberlain as well. So, yeah, not just because it's at Anfield, but yeah, a bit of link up play. And yeah, I think Minamino deserves a, a bit of an opportunity because sooner or later he is going to have to get a chance if, if we're going to make a judgment on him. Well, there you go, Jürgen. I think we've got you boxed off there if, if you are listening in. Um, so before we sign off, Gorsley, just uh, want, want to touch on one thing that's kind of been a bit of a theme of this week. Um, Klopp started really with, with Klopp writing a, an open letter to the Echo in which he addressed everyone in the city, um, Liverpool fans, Everton fans and everyone. He, you know, he was, he was stressing various things and themes, but talking about the, the current public health crisis and, you know, the need for everyone to be responsible, um, not gather and, you know, do what they can to, to keep things down to a, to a minimum and then you were at Anfield uh, yesterday before the game um, where Peter Moore and various local authorities were speaking and, and addressing similar themes and then Matt Ashton uh, sorry, uh, who's, the, who's the local director of public health uh, spoke at the start of the press conference today just before Jürgen Klopp but unified voice really the, the message about safety is, is loud and clear Yeah definitely I mean it was great to see Jürgen Klopp obviously deliver that that uh, open letter to us on Monday and I thought it was fantastically received and as he tends to do, he, he hit all the right notes and Liverpool were, were keen to kind of reinforce that message ahead of Sunday. So Anfield, you know, it's going to be the first game back at Anfield since Liverpool were crowned champions and I think there's been a, a little bit of a worry and it's probably a justified one now given what happened last week that Anfield might be kind of besieged by fans who shouldn't be there and should be sticking to the, you know, the social distancing rules and and the lockdown restrictions and, and all that kind of stuff. So Liverpool were, were keen to, to get that message out. So Peter Moore spoke yesterday. I had a chat with him for around about 15 minutes or so, and he was just stating how important it is for, for supporters to stay home, watch it from the house. There's going to be nothing to see at Anfield. We're going to enjoy a, an open-top parade with the with our supporters when the time comes. And it was all it was all very good. And, and um, the, the police, Mayside Police, Andy Cook from, from there, he said similar things. We had Joe Blot, who's the chair of the Spirits of Shankly, um, Wendy Simon, who's a deputy to Joe Anderson at the council, and obviously Matt Aston, as you mentioned there. So it was all very um, serious um, public message of stay home, stay safe, watch the game from your armchair, and 
there will be no further spikes and, and we can all hopefully enjoy an open top parade a few months down the line. Absolutely. Well, well, on that note, on that comforting thought, we'll, we'll leave it there for today's Blood Red. Thank you all for listening and watching wherever you've been tuning in. And uh, fingers crossed Liverpool can get back to winning ways on Sunday and save their season after, uh, after Thursday night. And we'll be back on Monday with plenty of reaction to the Villa game. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.